You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Place Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. Yada, yada. And I was just like, I was laughing because it was just like, you know, bro, like, you know, God, God always got a plan. In that moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. The Egyptian creation story is a very sexual one. Mm -hmm. And it talks of the god creating himself through a sexual act with himself. So it's a masturbatory big bang if you like like I never even hire coaches when I establish a program I always hire mentors first. you know what I'm saying because a mentor gets the big picture coach might just get basketball I want somebody that under X's and I want somebody that's about whole life I'm not the only podcaster out there you're not the only marketer out there like there's a lot of people doing the same things but the things that's going to separate you and I from the rest of the people is that we become our best selves and we just don't quit so what is the gospel? What is the pure, unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by, because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate. For sure. Is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. What up, I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the building, whipping it up. Um, peace and blessings. How y'all doing? Hope all is well. I am recording this on Tuesday, October the 12th. Whenever you hear this, once again, I hope all is well with you in the world. Um, right now in Portland, Oregon, it is 6.46 p.m. It's dark. It's raining just a little bit, slightly, a little drizzle, and it's cold. It's hoodie season. Um, I do like fall in the Pacific Northwest, but I dread the winter because uh, it's still sunny. You know, we still the sun is still coming out. It might hit 60s and maybe even 70s, but we're coming upon that season where it's going to be, you know, 60s, 50, mostly 50s and 40s, and it's about to be cold. But um, with that being said, let's let's move forward. Let's I'm going to get right into the topic what I'm going to talk about today, and that is Dave Chappelle and his latest stand up on Netflix entitled The Closer. Um, I watched it twice. Let me tell you about the first time I watched it. So the first time I watched it, um, I think it was it was at night. Yeah, it was it was it was in the evening. So I was a little tired, but I wasn't super sleepy. But I'm always excited to see new Chappelle and honestly to see something on Netflix that I really enjoy because Netflix has been kind of dry for me lately. Uh, I'm not, I'm not watching squid game. I refuse to watch that at this time. I'm going to just let all that 
hoopla die down and I might watch it later, like in two years or something. But but for the most part, it hasn't been anything on Netflix that really grabbed my attention. I'm waiting on Ozark to start back up. I need another Narcos and I'll be back on Netflix binging as usual. But so I was excited to see this, but I'm not going to lie. I almost turned it off. Right. And not for the reasons that you may think when you hear me say I almost turned this special off for those that have watched it. You know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of reasons why someone might turn this off. But in my opinion and just what I what I felt, it was literally I was about 28 minutes into the special and I was about to turn it off because I was not I didn't want to hear LGBT jokes. Like I, that's just where I was at. And I'm not like I'm not pro this anti that I'm not a super like I, I really am kind of agnostic when it comes to that, um, to the LGBT uh, genre of entertainment, because I just, it's, I don't identify with it. Um, so I'm not I'm not pro, but I'm not anti either. But. I am pro comedy. Like I love comedy. I absorb comedy. I pay close attention to comedy. And the first 28 to 30 minutes, I was not entertained and the jokes were not hitting. Like, yeah, Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle cracked some jokes, but they weren't funny. Like they weren't Dave Chappelle funny. (laughs) Right. So like, you know how we we judge artists based upon their previous outing right like we don't judge lebron james based upon everybody else in the league we we judge lebron james on the best version of lebron james right like when when drake dropped uh certified lover boy we're not judging drake versus the rest of the world who cannot create music at the clip that drake can but we're judging clb based upon all of drake's other projects and it just doesn't it doesn't add up. It doesn't stand up. And so I when I was and it's like I literally fell asleep when I was when I listened to CLB for the first time, even though I was excited to hear it. I was waiting for it just like everybody else. When Drake dropped it, I listened to it and I literally fell asleep because I was not interested because it sounded like all of the old Drake songs that I've already heard before. Same thing with Dave Chappelle. That first 20, literally 28 minutes. I looked at the time. I, I pressed pause i was like man how many minutes is it how many minutes is left because i don't know if i can if he's just gonna do these lame lgbt jokes that he's already done before right he already went down that path and so because he had already went down that path it's like this is yo dude can you get some new material like i know i know you're better than this drake i know you're better than what you did with clb dave Chappelle, i know you're better than this but you know what as I realized the second time I watched it, I was like, man, this really wasn't necessarily about comedy. Dave was trying to prove a point. But in the first time around, I wasn't paying attention to that. I was just looking to be entertained and I wasn't entertained. And once again, his jokes were not hidden like they were funny, but they weren't hilarious. And so when you when you're talking about people specifically a a, a group of people, whether typically that's like race, right? Um, or, it's, or it's gender. But then when you get into the LGBT and trans, obviously it's a touchy subject. It's a new thing um, relative to 
all the other topics that folks typically talk about as comedians. So it's it's a touchy subject. And so because it's a touchy subject, even though I'm not necessarily sensitive to it because it doesn't directly affect me, but I'm aware of that type of stuff. And so but even like so with with racial stuff, like if it's I'll laugh if it's funny, even if it's if 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 it can be taken as offensive, if it's funny, then it's funny. <laughs> like if it's funny, it's funny. If it's com- comedy is comedy, bro. Like if it's really funny, then it's really funny. Now, if you tell a joke that is borderline offensive, but it's not really funny, then it's just offensive. And that's not funny and it's not entertaining. And that's how I felt about Dave Chappelle the first time I was listening to it and why I almost turned it off. And I had never come close to wanting to turn off a Dave Chappelle anything. And I almost did it. But I will say I was glad I pushed through. So I kept I kept watching. I was like, you know, it's I got like 35 minutes left. It's not going to be the worst thing in the world. Let me just see this thing through, you know. Um, And so I kept kept watching, kept listening. Um, And he really brought it home. Towards the end and he turned it around, turned it into a positive. And so from the standpoint of me watching a comedy special. I had never been on such an emotional roller coaster. Like to be so, yo, this is trash. I I really do not like this. Like, I don't want to say hate, but I strongly dislike what I'm watching and I am not entertained. And at the end, I was like, wow, look at Dave, man. (laughs) Look at Dave. Look how he brought it home and made it a positive, you know, and it was just that swing. And there's the genius of the swing. And I appreciated it. And I was like, wow, I've never felt like that after a comedy special during and after. Like it's it, it was amazing. So there was that part. So it was nice, nice and rosy the first time around. And then uh, earlier today before recording this, I was like, let me watch this one more time. Let me really break it down and try to track the pattern of where he was going and what he was doing. And let's let's talk about it. All right. So I won't be be before you all too long. I'm going to go ahead and go back over the closer from the beginning. So in the beginning, he gets a few jokes off. And one of the first jokes that sticks out to me is the the joke about him being molested by like a preach, uh, a priest or a preacher. Right. So he talks about it and he jokes about it. And I get, yo, it's comedy, y'all. So just know that I'm going to get serious with this, even though I know it's comedy, but I'm going to get serious with this. And I'm going to put on my tinfoil psychiatrist hat. And let's let's break this down because we got to think about it. These thoughts and these ideas and these stories, they are they're made up, but they're also based upon true events. That's what makes it funny. And that's what makes Dave Chappelle's comedy funny, because it always comes from a real place. Typically some something happening in history or in his life or in the life of people that he knows. And he tells a story in a funny way. Right. So he jokes about being molested. By a priest or a preacher. Now. Child molestation jokes. Are acceptable. 
That's the profound thing about You know what I mean? About that. But also. He talks casually about being molested by a priest or preacher. I don't think I've ever heard him say a joke about him being molested as a child. Now, he joked it off. He's like, yeah, I I had fun, um, you know, coming on that guy's face and everybody laughed. But let's be honest, like. That's not even though it's, it's Dave Chappelle and it's a joke and he's a comedian. Child molestation is obviously no laughing matter. Like that is one of the worst things that can be perpetrated on, on another human being is an unsuspecting child being abused sexually. Right. And so he talks about that. So now now I'm thinking, OK, he's joking about it. But what if this is real? Because I'm, I'm also trying to figure out why is Dave focusing so much on the LGBT? It makes me think of um, Tyler, the creator. You know how Tyler, if anybody has paid attention to his, his career, Tyler, the creator was he would be super out there, anti LGBT, anti gay, um, using the F word crazy in his songs. And then he later comes out and lets folks know. That he likes guys too. And he and then he identifies as gay. He comes out the closet, right? And then he goes to, well, I'm I'm actually bisexual. So it's so it was one of those things where it's like, and we so you know, we we've seen that before where people act all big and bad, like, yo, gay me faggot men over the book. And I don't mean to disrespect nobody, whatever, but it's socks and sandals. Uh, unapologetic, you know, we we give it up raw. So but I still don't want to offend nobody on that level because it's just not it's not necessary but that word gets thrown out there is derogatory towards those people so i want to be respectful to them but that's what tyler the creator would do he would talk bad about them but then it just ha- it just so happens he was repressing what was inside of him that he was af- afraid or ashamed to express and it also reminds me you know, when Dave is, is continually talking about the LGBT and the trans community, it also reminds me of Charlemagne the God and Andrew, so- Andrew Schultz. And it's one of the reasons why I stopped listening to their podcast, The Brilliant Idiots, because they always it's like every episode or every other episode. It always came back to these aggressive jokes towards gay people. It's like gay dick talk, dick segment. And it's just like, yo, what is wrong? Like you guys are always talking about another man's penis or always talking about something is gay. And it's like, is that something that you kind of covet? Like, do you want to do that? But, you know, you can't. So you just talk bad about it to make everybody seem like make everybody feel like that's not what you want. But you really kind of want, you know what I mean? So it's on your mind. So let's bring it back to Dave. He jokes about being molested. And um, one thing that I know just from my life and just a little bit of interaction that I've had with with other folks on this topic, I know that. I'll say folks that I know, you know, personally that have been, I will say boys that have been molested at a young age. And I grew up in the church. So in the church, these folks, quote unquote, struggle 
with their sexuality, right? They struggle with that attraction towards men. And then they try, you know, they have girlfriends. They may even get married, but they still struggle, quote unquote, or some are just on the low gay and they don't want to tell anybody because in the church, that's a sin. But what I'm getting at is. I know multiple men that were molested as children and they struggle with their sexuality. So that could be potentially could be the underlying thing on why Dave has an axe to grind against this community. Potentially. He was really affected and would never be the same because he was molested as a child. Potentially. Now, that was the foundation of the special. It's something that I haven't heard anyone talk about. But it really jumped out to me. All right. Now, let's keep going. So Dave progresses through the special, um, through his set. He talks about catching COVID and then sitting back watching black folks beat up Asians. So he had to stop Asian hate. Um callback or just he, he mentioned that and then he talked about he get he did the his first version of the space jews joke um so i haven't heard any controversy from and i'm, I'm surprised because typically you mention anything about the jewish community then there's going to be some anti-semitism backlash i haven't been paying so much attention but what i from what from what little attention i've been paying on social media a majority, basically all of the backlash that I'm seeing is the LGBT, the trans backlash. Not one, I haven't seen or heard anything about space juice. If y'all have, let me know. But when I first heard, I was like, damn, it's kind of cringy. Like I, I get what you're saying, but you know, all right, cool, whatever. So there's that. And then after that joke, He gets real specific and he announces his objective and his objective is to complete his body of work of addressing the LGBT community. So that was something that I missed initially because I was just more or less focusing on the jokes, looking to be entertained. But he did specifically say he had an, an, an objective that he was looking to complete. All right. Um, and then he went into, uh, and he had he made the little joke like punch him right in the AIDS. And that to me, that that just wasn't funny. Um, you know, I, all right, gay joke. I get it. But that that joke right there, that was a point where I was like, oh, all right, man, come on. Like. AIDS is nothing. There's nothing funny about AIDS. Um, obviously, it's deadly. And, you know, it's just it's not. And it's, it's one of those stereotypes that have been throwing on uh, the gay community and it's just but it's it's not true you know and so as a black man that is very conscious of racial stereotypes and a lot of the fallacies that get thrown out about black men black people in general black families uh all of that black girls like yo it's a lot of stereotypes that get thrown out there and people joke about them but some of this shit is really harmful so um and, it, and some of it is just really not, it's just not funny. Uh, it's kind of, it, you know, punch them in the AIDS is almost like the uh, the black woman. Uh, she was a, 
a, a DA or something like that, a lady from Dallas, and she was calling black men uh, bullet bags or something like that. And it's just like, yo, that's not even, come on, man. Like, it's, it's not funny. It's not a, a cool pun that's just, ah, okay, I, I see what you did there. No, that's, it's just not funny. So punch him right in the AIDS. That was the first thing for me. The space use was was cringy. I'm not gonna lie, but the punch him in the AIDS. I was like, all right, bro, that's that's not even funny. And then he brought up um, his the baby story where he talked about he killed a man in Walmart. Um, so you know, it talks about um, a black man can kill a nigga, but uh, but he can't talk about the LGBT. And you know, it doesn't it doesn't equate. Honestly, it does not equate. And it's it's one of those. I feel like it's like one of those uh, arguments where you're only bringing it up because it's convenient. And it's weird. Like, I never thought I would be on this side of <laughs> of a of a review on Dave Chappelle and kind of pointing out all the like like being critical of him. But, you know, this this argument is just it doesn't have a lot of integrity to it. And to be honest. I don't even I don't even know the timeline of the baby, you know, in his murder case that I mean, he didn't get convicted. So I don't I don't even know all the details to it, but I could be wrong. And y'all can help me out with this. But I don't think that he was even a huge artist. I don't think he was even famous at the time, you know, when that murder happens. I don't think anybody even knew who the baby was when he had his murder charge, murder case that he beat. So he must have kill somebody in self-defense because a black man killing another black person or shooting somebody. I don't know if he shot him. He shot him or killed him or something like that. What do you say? Did he kill him? Yeah, he killed him. So it must have been in self-defense. He got off, whatever. So, but it's just, it's just the, the, the integrity of that. I'm just like, all right, Dave, I get, I get what you're saying, but I don't even know if that's the same, right? So, so I'm just thinking like that was something that I wasn't, in, in deep thought about as I was watching it, but in the back of my mind and my subconscious, I'm like, yo, that's not even a, a fair fight, fair argument. It's not the same. Come on, bro. You're better than that. That's what I'm thinking. But then he gets to a statement that a lot of black people think and do not say. He said, I don't hate gay people. I'm jealous of gay people. And how well their movement is going. And that was probably the realest, most relatable statement for me in this whole comedy stand up. And, and it's and this is true for the black community. I will, I will go ahead, go out on a limb and say this is true for us because, you know, there is a stereotype of homophobia among the black community. And that is so far from the truth, in my opinion. Right. Like the black community, by and large, I would say is not homophobic. Because and and if someone was to say that black folks, by and large, like on average are homophobic, it's I wouldn't call it a phobia. I would just call it niggas is religious. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so. Because their religion, you know, their Christianity or cultural Christianity or Islam says that it's not okay, then folks won't outwardly necessarily outwardly approve of it. But 
black folks ain't, in my opinion, like, you know, we know in a black church, it's a lot of gay folks, LGBT folks in the choir leading praise and worship. And they have never been not able to do that. Now, that doesn't trump all the other jokes and all the other, you know, um, anti LGBT sentiment that is common to all people. Let's be clear. But, you know, we have been accepted. We all have we even even you go back to comic view days and everybody got one in a family, you know, like it's it's not uncommon. And if, if you go to the south, like, honestly, that's when I realized that black people could be gay. Like, I'm, you know, I live out here in Portland, Oregon, very small black community. And we were more stereotypical than than in the South. When I went down there and it's just like tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of black people and the the LGBT community. Like, it's not a it's not a taboo. It's not like you can't be gay or you can't claim to be gay or you you know what I mean like you could be gay you can you can a girl can dress like however they want to dress a boy can dress or talk and act however he want to act whether it's you know feminine or not um you weren't judged for having a gay male friend because there were so many people that were gay and expressing themselves and this is me in 2003 really getting exposed to the LGBT community like where they're just out in the open and living their life and when I went to Texas Southern in Houston, like, man, that was that it was not taboo. And so I'm like, yo, what is this? What is this stereotype? I know in, on the West Coast and just in my small little town of Portland, Oregon, we were super stereotype, super stereotypical when it came to, if you want to say blacks and anti LGBT. Um, but down there, it was it was not the case. And so I say all that to say. Black folks for the most part, don't hate the LGBT and one. And for two, we don't have the power to impose our hate. It's almost like calling. It's like the reverse racism stuff saying like black people are racist, like black people can't be racist, right? We don't have the power to negatively affect the lives of those who we don't like, right? The lives of those who we don't approve of. So we might be prejudiced against other people. We might be prejudiced um, we might prejudge gay people. We might prejudge white people. We might prejudge Asians or Hispanics, but we're not racist. Like we don't have a system to be able to impose our prejudice. That's on white people. They're the ones that set up the laws. They're the ones that set up the rules. They, they, they allow something to be acceptable or not acceptable. It's not until, you know, white folks are accepting of LGBT that's when the laws change, not when black folks decide, because it's not up to us. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, we're not homophobic. We're not anti LGBT, but we do. We do have a little jealousy for how quickly they got their rights. Right. There is there is some jealousy. It took us hundreds of years. And they have surpassed us on this. If we're, you know, and a lot of people say, oh, it's not an oppression Olympics. I mean, you can say that when you're winning. <laughs> but when you're losing and you've been on, you know, the tail end of the of the competition when it comes to the oppression Olympics. Yeah, it, it means something when you see another group leapfrog you in line to get their rights and get their benefits and get treated a certain type of way. So. That was that was one part of his 
stand up that really hit. Yes. I don't hate gay people. I'm jealous of gay people and how well their movement is going. And when he says it, I understand it. He's talking about white people. And I'm and I'm going to get to that when he does talk about that. But when he says gay people, I understand that he's talking about gay white people. He's not talking about gay black people because he 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 distinguishes that moving forward. He repeats two times in the middle of his set. Say, I'm not even gay, but. Some, some, some. He said, I'm not even gay, but I want to try that glory hole. Just just see what happens on the other side. He said that. So it's <laughs> once again, putting on my tinfoil psychiatrist hat. If you're not gay, you don't have to say that you're not gay. Granted, this is comedy. I get it. It's entertainment. But I want you all to hear me. Let's let's go deeper and let's see what what could be beneath the surface. He did mention that he got molested. So if that is the case, maybe that's the link. And maybe he does have some feelings that he feels like he could never express because that's not okay. It's not okay to be gay. It's not okay to be bi in his mind, right? He never felt like he could do that, potentially. So he keeps saying, I'm not even gay, but. Mm, mm, mm. So that's something to think about. And then he said something that was very profound. He said, gay people are minorities until they need to be white again. And that's and that's something that's true as far as um, I'll speak for myself. That's something that I notice. That's something that I noticed for quite some time. Um, and it's and I'm not I'm not alone. A lot of black folks. We we notice that stuff. We notice that all these other people. Can be minorities, but then they can also be white. And that's and that's just like that's the privilege that we have to fight against. But is but can we really say that? We can't say that in their workplace. We can't say that in their circles. We can only say that amongst ourselves. But also going going back to what he said, like, I don't hate y'all, but I'm jealous of the, you know, the privilege that you all have and the advances that you all have made as a as a community. And that's another thing about what black folks notice about um, trans white folks, um, any any type of LGBT white folks and white women. Excuse me, that's my dog Astro going crazy because he sees a squirrel in the backyard. But gay people are minorities until they need to be white again. And so once again, when he's saying gay people, he's talking about gay people white people when he says trans people he's talking about trans white people right and so he and he talks about um the uh the feminist movement and he talks about the racial component in the feminist movement and he talks about susan b anthony and the rest of the feminists i guess it was some event something i need to look up 
and it was it was mentioning Sojourner Truth, and it was at this it was at this time is when she gave that speech, "Ain't I a woman?" And she gave that speech in defiance of Susan B. Anthony and the other women that didn't want her to speak. They didn't want her to conflate the issues of white women and their cause and the subjugation of black women and their cause. And that's something that came out with the Women's March that came out with the Trump um, election. Fifty three percent of white women voted for Trump. And there is this. I guess you could say hypocrisy where. Um, you have a, a subset of white women who claim, oh, it's feminist. It's all about us. It's all about us. We want to take care of each other. Women first. But then if they had to choose between <laughs> a white man and anybody else, even a white woman. Unfortunately, the majority would side with the patriarchy. And that's something that we as black folks, we notice. And it's not something that we just oh, we're making it up. The numbers back it. And once again, we could point to the Trump election to prove that. And then as he progressed, he went on to talk about his male feminist joke, which was that was funny. Um, he asked, what is a woman? Um, it talks about I think he talked about. What do you say? I think that was a Caitlyn Jenner joke, whatever. Um, and that's it's like old news. Like, all right, I, I feel like he said that before. So it's just like, eh, all right, it's it's fun. I mean, I get the point, but it's not really that funny anymore because we've already heard that a million times. Um, and then let me see. Let me just fast forward. So he, he gets to um, the the transgender, another trans joke where he talks about the woman that he met in the bar. And um, she was telling him about her daughter who was in Hollywood doing X, Y, and Z. And then he's seen the picture. Um, and he talks about like her physical appearance, her jawline, thick neck. And it was like, it was just insults. It wasn't, it wasn't even a punchline other than saying Joe Rogan neck talking about a, a trans woman. And it's just like, dog, it's not even, it's not funny. Like Dave, like you gotta be funny, bro. And I, that was, I think that was the issue, even with the LGBT. Like, I, I, I didn't really pay attention to their backlash the first time or the first few times, I guess, because this has been ongoing. But this time around, I get it because some of his jokes weren't even jokes. Like, it was just he was just taking jabs and it just wasn't even funny. Like, the punchlines didn't hit. So it's just like, bro. You got to be funny with your insults. <laughs> my guy like you have to be funny and it wasn't funny some of the stuff just wasn't funny it was ironic he was making a point but it wasn't funny all right but then he, he gets into it um and i i mentioned it earlier and this is like the crux of the matter he said my problem has never been with transgender people my problem has always been with white people i've been talking to white people the whole time and he said, just when I thought I had them on the ropes, they changed the rules on me <laughs> and they make me call them a woman. So he's talking about white men. He can't, you know, the white men turn into white women and now they're protected and now he can't say anything. And I think for and then once again, putting on my tenfold psychiatrist hat, I think for for Dave, like this is his outlet, like what area of activity 
economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. What area of activity can you speak openly about your oppressor? You can only do it in entertainment. So you can do it in music. You can do it in comedy. You can, and yeah, you can do it. Yeah, entertainment, music, comedy, acting. You can only do it in, in entertainment. And so this is like Dave's release to be able to talk his shit. And he's mastered it. And now he's pissed off because they changed the rules. And now he can't do what he does, which is talk greasy about white folks. And so that's one of the things with racism, white supremacy. Um, It doesn't end. It doesn't stop. It just changes shape. It changes forms. And what Dave is pointing out and what he's trying to highlight is like, oh, shoot. The system of racism, white supremacy has changed forms and now they're hiding behind this LGBT. That's that's what I'm noticing him say. He's like, man, I thought I had you guys. But nope, you guys changed the rules on me. And as we bring it, bring this thing home, um, he told a story about Daphne. I mean, this, this is what wrapped it up. This is what made it warm and fuzzy the first time around. And then after, you know, a few days after um, I thought about the story and then I I watch it again, I kind of break it down. And uh, it's not so warm and fuzzy as as he made it feel the first time around. So Dave goes into the story and he talks about just a few interactions he had with Davini, um, this trans woman comedian. And. um you know, it's 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 kind of eh. unless we really talk to him and go in depth about the relationship he had with Daphne. Um, we don't really know how deep it was and if it was more of a colleague, somebody that you run into. Or was it an actual friendship? But I'll put it like this. Like, (laughs) I hate to nitpick, but we have to do it because of the nature of his whole performance and his whole content targeted at one group of people. My friends know that I have kids my friends know that I'm a father and I have kids because we're friends friends talk about that stuff and the more and more I I thought about it as time went on and then I watched watched it the second time around today you know he he was talking about his friendship with Daphne, but then he didn't find out that she had a daughter until after she passed, after she committed suicide. And then Dave went on. <laughs> this is crazy. I can't believe I'm on this side of it, man. But uh, as far as like the way that I, I'm viewing this, uh, at least how I'm interpreting the art for lack of a better term, but, uh, 
you know, Dave went on to say, it's just so weird, bro. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm blown away that, but when I slow down and break this down, so I've seen white people do this so many times, like it's, it happens far too often, but let me just get into it. So Dave, he went on to say that even though Daphne was a trans woman, Daphne was not a part of the trans community. Daphne was a part of my tribe. She was a comedian. So Dave went to <laughs> say almost like take her from her people and claim her as his own. And I have seen the the white LGBT community do that extensively. And they typically do it with three people. And I, I've seen it so many times, whether it's um, in certain diversity workshop equities, you know, settings or um, even in a um, even in a class that I took at a local community college just to check out the scene. It was called interrogating whiteness and, you know, just like up. Uh, but it's it's a theme. White folks, white LGBT will just almost not not so blatantly and not so clearly as like what, what Dave did, but they will basically claim LGBT or quasi LGBT. Uh, no, I don't say quasi. They, they will claim LGBT folks as their own borderline. Like they will extensively quote from these people and uh, explain or try to explain the black experience to each other uh, and other white folks only from the lens of the accepted LGBT voices, as in James Baldwin, Audre Lorde, and Nikki Giovanni. And it's and like I said, they don't as explicitly claim them as theirs, but they definitely use them and put them on a high pedestal. And I understand, like I, I put James Baldwin on the highest of pedestals as well, but I'm also putting Amos Wilson there. I'm also putting Francis Crest Welsing there. You know what I mean? Like I'm also putting Malcolm X on the same one. MLK. Like I'm putting all those folks, but I'm not only singling out the LGBT, but it, it was just weird to hear Dave claim Daphne as his own and, and almost say that LGBT, she's not yours. She's mine. Cause she was a comedian and y'all was, y'all was um, giving her a hard time on Twitter. X, Y, Z. And I'm just like, Wow. And so I say all that to say this. If you're in a position where you feel like you have the superior argument. And you're arguing about a worthy topic and arguing on behalf of your people. And it's a very worthy cause. Just say what you have to say. Say it emphatically. Speak to the historicity of your claim. Present it. Let the logic be clear. And that's it. I get it. Dave is a comedian. He's an entertainer. But this is a really heavy topic and a really weighty subject. Um, And it's sensitive for good reason on both sides. And I know we make jokes as a passive aggressive way to release our anger, but this is a real heavy topic.
real heavy subject. And so, you know, unfortunately, Dave looks foolish and he looks petty because of the manner that he went about it. Yes, he has some great points, some valid points, but he also was getting off just some thoughts that were that he couldn't really form into jokes. He was just getting off some some bad vibes, right? He was just getting off some thoughts that he can't he can't really express like on Twitter or necessarily in an interview. But when he gets on stage, he has a pass. But this current generation and moving forward, you know, comedians don't have the passes that they had back in the day. So if your shit ain't extremely funny, if it's somewhat cringeworthy, it's offensive. And I understand it. Now, I don't I'm not the comedy police, but I understand it because I, I feel a similar type of way. Like I said, if you talking about people racial or just any type of specific group of people and you got a joke for them and it is not really that funny then it's just offensive and it's it's a bad joke so dave i'm not saying uh it's a it's a negative or it's a bad look or whatever the case might be i don't know what it is i just had to go back and watch it and break it down put on my tinfoil psychiatrist hat um and try to make sense of it but that's it that's all i wanted to do and i would love to know you all's thoughts if you kind of notice what i noticed or if there's some other things that you noticed about his set that really kind of put some pieces to the puzzle because i i'm really curious to know outside of the racial component i get it i'm i'm fighting a good fight of you know overcoming racism countering racism white supremacy that that system i'm all about that but this was you know yeah yeah hopefully in the future we'll see dave come back with some like funny funny material not some somewhat funny material because this was yeah, yeah. but let's continue the conversation uh hit me up on instagram at socks and sandals podcast on twitter at S-X-S-N-D-L-S or my personal Instagram at Emmanuel since 85. Once again, it's the Socks and Sounds podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Highlight y'all next time. Grace and peace. <laughs>